about 300 years after Jesus walked on the earth, a uh, young man was born who later <clears throat> became known as St. Augustine in the life of the church. Uh, as I was preparing for this, I was corrected by a theologian uh, on YouTube to make sure I pronounce his name as Augustine and not Augustine because the Floridians have it wrong. So, uh, so Augustine is how we remember him. And this young man was born, um, he became one of the greatest thinkers and teachers in church history, but he was born humbly in North Africa, which was then on, under Roman control. And his family were Berbers, which are the ancient people of North Africa and uh, a native ethnic group. His father was a pagan, presumably worshiped the gods of the Berber people. His mother was a Christian, but he rebelled against her faith and her teaching. He lived a completely worldly life. He showed promise as a student, so he was attracted to the great city of Carthage in North Africa, where he studied the works of the great Greek philosophers. If he had to identify with any religion, he would call himself a Manichaean, the faith of the Persians at that time. He was too smart for Christianity. He graduated with honors and ultimately was respected enough that he was recruited to teach philosophy at the University of Milan in Italy. Now, we have a representative right here, Milo Crago, part of this congregation. His real first name is Milan, so uh, he, 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 he can be called the Bishop of Milan, uh, which is what uh, the person whom Augustine encountered, a man by the name of Ambrose, who was a great teacher of that time, who talked to him enough to persuade him that all the Greek philosophers could not add up to the ultimate truth, the ultimate truth about God that's found in Jesus Christ. And it was while he was there that uh, he ultimately was exposed to Christianity in a winning way. But this was not until he was 31 years old. And from the age of 17, he had lived a completely worldly life. He actually had an outside of marriage relationship with a woman, um, other relationships. He was, by his own admission, sexually promiscuous and had an illegitimate child. This is the great Saint Augustine. About 10 years after teaching, this Christian scholar Ambrose helped lead him to the Lord. And he accepted Christ and was baptized when he was 31 years old. Because of the kind of life he had lived, he felt that accepting Christ meant he should live a life of complete celibacy and that he should become a, a monastic and just disappear into a, 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 monk, a monk's um, life. But he was a great preacher. And he was recognized for that. And people picked him up and elevated him. And he had a battle of, of humility, too. But ultimately, he emerged into 
Christian leadership and became the Bishop of Hippo. Now, Hippo is not just an animal. It's a city on the north coast of Africa, and at that time, it was the center of Christianity. Now, this painting was done in 1490 by Sandro Botticelli, one of the great Renaissance painters uh, of, of Augustine, preached up to 10,000 sermons, and we actually have about 500 of his sermons that we can still read today. Wonderful essays on the Christian faith, the relationship particularly between our sin and the grace of God. His most famous work was his Confessions, in which he went back and talked about all of the prophet life that he led as a youth, uh, how much of a rebel he was, his sinfulness, and contrasted it with God's great grace. And here is the most famous quote from Augustine's Confessions. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. That's what he discovered. And that's his own personal testimony. And, and the way I want to word that for the new series we're beginning today is that we are created to worship. We are created to worship. I'm going to introduce that today from the book of Romans, but for the next weeks, right up until Easter time, we are going to preach on different aspects of worship and how these can be revolutionary in our lives. So I hope you will pay close attention. This may be one of the most important series uh, that we have had from the pulpit here and pray that we'll do it justice. Our text this morning is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Your spiritual worship. I'd like to focus on that phrase because when I was a, a child, as I was growing up, this is a verse that we were encouraged to memorize. And in the King James Version of the Bible, it didn't say, this is your spiritual worship. Can any of you quote what it really said? Okay, here's what it is. It says, this is your reasonable service. That's what the King James Version says. Your reasonable service. Now, that's quite different from your spiritual worship. And so I, I had to look around. I found other translations that had all kinds of different uh, wording. One that said your uh, spiritual service of worship. One that said your true and proper worship the true worship that you should offer, your appropriate priestly service, the logical temple worship for you, your intelligent service. Why, why are there so many different nuances of meaning of these words? Finally, one that I liked as much as any, it's a Jubilee Bible, which is a fairly modern version. And uh, this 
translation, your rational worship grasps me. But here's the, here's the right translation. This is the GVA translation. And it is your logical worship. Now, I would like to explain why I came up with that phrase. First of all, on the word, the second word, worship, it is true that this word, uh, that Greek word behind this, can mean service. But it is also the word used, as we use the term worship service, it is a term used in Greek for uh, worship. And it is the most common usage. And since the words surrounding this do refer to uh, acts of worship, the best translation, I think, is worship. And that seems to be the consensus of the various translations. But the most interesting word is that earlier one that King James calls reasonable. And the Pew Bibles uh, uses the term spiritual. Well, here I think the King James Bible is more on target. Uh, the word is actually logical. That's the word, logikane. It's a Greek word that means logical. So this is your logical worship. This is the logic of who you are fitting into God's plan. That, that seems to be the significance of this phrase. Or I came up with this wording. This is how you fit into the pattern of all creations, worship of God. All creation is made to worship God. All creation by its nature worships God, as Steve indicated in his opening remarks in Connie and her prayer, that, that all of creation worships God. Our part of this is a little part, but this is our role in the worship of God. And it is the meaning of our lives. As St. Augustine learned from experience, your soul will not rest until you recognize this. Your soul will not rest until you find your worship niche, where you fit into the whole creation pattern of worshiping God. You know that experience that you've had when things seem right and you feel totally at peace, maybe the end of a project that you've completed and you just sit back and enjoy it, or maybe it's being in nature and seeing how everything comes together, hearing the birds, seeing the sun, and that sense of total peace includes how you fit into the picture. And it may also be that in a worship service, you've had that experience of, of total peace. This happens when we give up on one view of ourselves and adopt another. Now here is the view of ourselves that we come into by nature. This is you, and you are the center of the universe. Now since we have a little baby, my great-grandson, and we see a lot of him, we recognize that he is the center of his universe. And that what he experiences is all around him. It's what people are doing to him and for him. And he's just curiously 
taking it all in. And it all adds up to who he is. He doesn't recognize yet that there's any reality outside of him. His mother is just a convenience. <laughs> so, but slowly he realizes that maybe she has feelings too. And it, it dawns on him that she might need a word of comfort sometime. So little toddlers come up and comfort their mommy. And then slowly a child will grow to see more. And yet there are many reminders that he is still at the center of it all. He goes to school and he's taught it's important that he get an education. And, uh, and he grows up and he starts texting and girls notice him and he notices girls. And, and then the whole process of love and courtship and marriage, it's still, he's the center of his universe. It's what happens to him, it's what he experiences that gives his life meaning. And then his marriage, having children, a career, all of that is defined around the you. And if you look at all those circles, you see things like success and, and career and family and nature, when we experience nature, our senses, what our senses tell us, our successes and failures, and all of these things uh, are defining who we are in our universe. Now, some little babies get stuck there, and they become adults, and they're still little babies because the world still revolves around them. But people, as they grow up, should learn better. Now, the ultimate learning comes when we give up this worldview and accept this worldview, where God is at the center. And it's, it's, not, it's not something that we naturally come to. We have to learn this because we still have feelings that say, yes, but I have my needs. Yes, but I've got to go eat. Yes, but, but, but to recognize that God is at the center of everything these circles around God include everything from the earth and the universe that was described to us and the immensity of it, but it also comes down to viruses. It comes down to every imaginable idea that anybody has ever had. I put down here spiritual realms, religions, friends, uh, other people all over the earth and there, among all of this, you find you. It's down in the lower left there. So you are in the picture, but you're not at the center. This is your logical worship. It doesn't, it doesn't work when you're at the center. But it works when you see that you're part of the immense universe of beings, ideas, things the whole universe itself that is worshiping God. This is the goal. This is the view of things that we should come to. And worship is our way of getting there. Because when you leave here, you're gonna go back to the world where you are the center. For this moment, God is the center. And then you go back and you have to be reminded, that's why we're gonna come back next week. 
and remind ourselves. That's the meaning of our worship services. Let's look again at our passage. I appeal to you, therefore, in verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your logical worship. Now, think of the, those phrases. A, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Those are terms from the Old Testament temple practice, the sacrificial system. And it, it's, they presented a dead sacrifice. But we are a living sacrifice. But we are still a sacrifice. We are still an offering to God. When we see the whole picture, we are a sacrifice to God and an acceptable sacrifice. And to show us how practical this is, he said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. He doesn't say your minds, your grandiose view of your things, your dreams, but your bodies. It's down to everyday decisions and actions and so that everything you do, when we understand that our place is a logical worship of God, that is our place in his universe, then every act, every thought, every endeavor focuses on that. And we will not find rest, said Augustine, we will not find rest until we find it in him, until we understand this view of the world. I'm going to go on and look at verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. See, that's what's going to happen to you when you leave here. There's somebody's going to want lunch, or you're going to want lunch, and you've got to con somebody into making it. And, and, and then you're going to figure out what you're going to do this afternoon. Some of you guys may know there are football games on TV. And, and, and then you're going to find a world that revolves around you. The world is conforming you by all of these influences. But God wants to transform you from the inside out. Transforming your mind from the you-centered view of things to the God-centered view of things. And this additional word at the end, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What is the will of God? How can we figure that out? Well, we figure that out when we get into our logical place of worship in the plan of God. We figure that out when we fit in on his terms, not on our terms. And we will never know the will of God when we're at the center. It just doesn't work that way. A living sacrifice, wholly acceptable, presenting your bodies, the center of worship, not being you, but God. And in this process, you will acknowledge the reality that worship involves God being at the center, not you being at the center. So in this picture of God, now you can begin to discern what is the will of God. That's what Paul said. 
discern what the will of God is. What the will of God is for his universe, for the people he created, and for this little piece, you. That's how you find out what your purpose is, what the will of God is for you. It's only as you fit into the big picture with him at the center. So, worship, being here on Sunday morning, is the opportunity to remind yourself of this picture. We need to do that regularly. That's why in our pattern, worship is weekly. But some people have daily devotions or maybe three times a day or five times a day or maybe every moment, every time you make a decision, you have to remind yourself of this reality. Because we do have restless spirits, as Augustine said. We, we keep thinking there's something more, longing for that. Fulfillment and, and, and reaching and trying it here and trying it there and trying it here. And then we have to keep reminding ourselves, no, no, no. The center is not you. The center is God. And we have to come back and face ourselves with that over and over again. And we have to face each other with it. Because it's not natural. The natural us just goes off back to a you-centered reality. But if we would understand what our logical worship is, how our life itself fits in to the whole plan of God, then we begin to find the key to living, begin to find the meaning of it all, begin to find true happiness, true equanimity, when we understand how we fit in. Let's bow and just meditate. Thank you for this vision. Thank you for this moment in which we see the truth of our logical worship. Help us to have regular moments. Help us to be more conscious all the time of this reality so that we can be truly happy in you. Help us, Lord to turn from that continual conformity to the world and to be transformed from within in this moment. Amen. And I want to encourage you, we're going to be looking at aspects of worship now for many weeks. Keep your mind open to new understandings of the various facets of our worship experience and be ready to have some new experiences in your personal worship as we do in our corporate worship. May God really pour himself out on us through these messages and these meditations on his truth. We meet in Altadena 
every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific, both in the Sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon, but if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at altabapprayer at aol.com. And again, as always, we pray God's blessings on you this week.